What's up? This is You'll Hear It with another episode of the Run It Back series. All right, so the clips today are all centered around the central theme, and that is using your ears. Um, as we know in jazz and all music, that your ears are pretty essential. So we've got a number of topics that talk about the different ways that we need to learn to practice using our ears and how exactly we can most effectively use them in a musical context. This first episode is about how to listen to music um, in a real way. I'm talking deep listening. Um, and much in the same way that uh, any artist can admire someone's art, uh, as a musician, it's kind of your mm, practice, responsibility, um, to break down music as you hear it and find out exactly what you like about that and what you might want to use from each track. Peter and Adam really take this topic to a really cool place, so I'm going to play that for you right here. What do you mean when you say, listen deeply? I have an idea of what that is, but how do you actually listen? What do you listen for? Do you try to hear changes, chords, solo lines? Which do you listen for first? Mm. Sorry, that was all the first question. <laughs> Thanks, David. David, yeah, thank you. David Kissinger, grandson to uh, our secretary, former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. No, we right? don't know that oh, for sure. That. Yeah, it's possible. Unbelievable we fact. Don't know that he's Number not. nine here. <laughs> we don't know that he's not. <laughs> we don't know that he's not. This is oh. a great question. We talk about listening a lot. Yes. And yeah, so yeah. we can definitely go into some, some ways to listen. For yeah. Sure. And I mean, deep listening, I think we've made that distinction before, or, or maybe he heard it, from, uh, David heard it from somebody else, but I think we do, uh, you know, want to acknowledge and, and really emphasize the difference between deep listening and just listening. And the way that I can find, you know, to sort of explain that easiest maybe is that um, deep listening is the way that a musician a practitioner of the craft of playing jazz music would listen to something as opposed to a fan. Mm. Now, I think that gets a little confusing because we are fans also. Sure. Maybe even first and foremost. Um, and so there's nothing wrong with listening as a fan, but you've got to do some deep listening as, you, you know, it's kind of like if you're a plumber, you can, you know, open up a, a, a underneath the sink. Anybody can open up and, and admire some beautiful work that's done with the piping or whatever, but a plumber's going to look at it and be like, wow, he's going to know the engineering behind it and why this was done and, and like look at it in a way that you or I wouldn't. Well, I don't know if you're a plumber. No, or you're going you're gonna to yeah. take it apart. Yeah, for sure. Take it apart. Yeah. And so I think that's the first thing is just sort of understanding what – what and why we would want to listen deeply and then we can get into kind of how you do it and what it is yeah i mean a good way to go about this david is maybe to think about it like you are taking apart a machine and you're someone who works on this machine and so the first thing you do is look at it from an overview right yes. what's the overall sound because if mm. you're deep listening and you want to get deep chances are or at least this how it should be is you should be listening to something that strikes you yeah that you love and so the first thing that I listen to or that, that I'd pay attention to is, is like, wow, how, how do they get that overall sound? What is that overall sound? Yeah. What's going on to create the sound here that I love? Yeah. I think uh, that starts with everybody in the band having a similar uniform of overalls. Get it? Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> good one. <laughs> no, but, uh, but then from there, like once you, once you kind of identify, okay, well this sounds um, moody or, you know, slow or airy or, or beautiful or happy, mm -hmm. whatever it is. 
um, then you might think about like, okay, what instruments are making this sound? Yeah. How yeah. do they, how do they, how do they achieve that overall mood or vibe? Right? right. And just what, what's the instrumentation? Right. You know, that could be like the first way of breaking yeah. it down. You know, yeah. okay, I hear piano, I hear bass, I hear drums, I hear a trumpet, I hear a saxophone. Right. I don't hear a trombone. Thank goodness. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So you start then breaking down the moving parts yep. uh, within what you're hearing. Now you probably already know what the instrumentation is if you bought the CD and you see who, who's on it or whatever. So, right. but just, just be aware of that. Be aware of yep. what instruments are making that sound. You no, know, I think that's very important because the, the next kind of levels of, of, of many of the things where I think we're going to say uh, kind of depend on you knowing who's playing mm. and then like how the instruments and the different um, positions interact with each other. Um, and then also just how individually sort of your instruments. So like, you know, we're a piano. So normally you're going to spend more time at a certain level kind of analyzing and listening and trying to do takeaways from the piano standpoint. But I think in order to be able to do that, you have to not only know all the other instruments that are playing, but know a little bit about why and how they're doing what they're doing so that when we, interact or want to analyze how a, a great pianist on a recording uh is interacting with those other instruments you know what's possible yeah you know and you then you know why certain things work you understand why certain conversations happen i think most you know recordings that that in the jazz world that we end up wanting to and, and also listening to deeply have generally so much great interaction mm. you know and then i would even say that yeah, I know people are thinking, well, what about solo piano? Even in solo piano, there's interaction with oneself. Of course. You know, yeah. Art Tatum, it's like a lot of different voices going on in things. And so that, as a listener, on that fan level, that top level that we started with, or bottom level, if we look at building up, um, the interaction is such an important thing. I mean, it's beautiful, it's moody, it's it's deconstructed, it's, it's uh, complex, it's painful, it's all the emotions that we know music can do. Um, it's so much more exciting when there's a group of one to 100 for sure putting that together and interacting it and so like I think a lot of the the deep listening when we really get to deconstructing it is about seeing how a collective achieves the complexity of music absolutely and, and, and how that can be done absolutely I mean I, I was as as you were talking about this collective and, and what they're doing you know the the first way to do this you've identified the instruments you hear the sound you hear the collective is to isolate one of those instruments mm -hmm. it doesn't even have to be your instrument right but isolate the bass and listen to just what the bass player is doing and then you can hear that in relation to the drums in relation to the piano in relation to the saxophone or isolate uh the the piano and and just hear how that pianist is interacting with everyone else and that's sort of the first step of, i think really diving deep on something right on right on okay so this next topic uh, within the uh, using your ears category is how to hear changes. Okay, so I know that a lot of people have questions about this one. Um, you know, a lot of musicians have developed abilities to hear changes and be able to play them back. Um, this takes a lot of time and practice. A lot of people think that it comes natural. And yes, there is an innate ability to have uh, good ears, but it's also something that you can practice. And I think Peter and Adam really break this down in a cool way. How to on how to on finding the changes to tunes. I have decent ears and I can pick out melodies and bass lines, but I can't get the changes. Thanks if you read this. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and well, we did we did read it, so you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a good question. So I think, you know, 
what they're asking is maybe like if you don't really know jazz theory and maybe a little bit more on the beginner side in terms of actually playing jazz, um, you know, how do you go about getting the kind of more complex harmonies? You know, I, I, and I don't want to read too much into this, but perhaps the the writer has been able to pick out things by ears, maybe different styles, maybe some pop tunes, some things that were a little bit simpler harmonically, but is having trouble with the changes, the chords with jazz. But I love the spirit of let's try to, you know, they're not asking like, what's a good book that's going to show me exactly what a C7, sharp 11, and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't, I mean, it, it matters, but I love this kind of attitude about like, picking out the melodies and the bass lines and that's things look there you know in the question is already the answer yeah i've just seen ears and i can pick out melodies and bass lines. that's where it starts and that is easier to hear the the the, the both sides the bottom side and the top side that's right the inside is harder but the fact that you're willing to try to do that is great because that's where the progress is going to come yeah and in fact it, it helps i think to think about it from an outside in perspective to start from the big movements and go down to trying to hear little things because yep. You know, if you can hear the melody in the bass line, you can make some assumptions, right? Yep. Like we know that a lot of um, jazz tunes end in a cadence of a two-five-one progression. So if you hear it exactly, so yes. if you hear a two as the bass line, you might make the assumption that it, it's possibly a Dorian sound, a minor seven sound, right? And then if a five follow that, there's a good chance it's a, a dominant sound, right? And if it's the one of the key, there's a very good chance it's a major sound. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I, I can hear a two five and not have to break down exactly what's in it to know that it's probably, you know, minor seven, dominant seven, major seven. Right. Because right? that's usually the pattern, unless it's in a minor key, which is easy to hear. Um, and then from there, I think you could break it down to smaller movements. One place I like to start with my students on ear training is the four kinds of triads. Being able to hear the difference in major, minor. And then augmented and diminished. Yep. Those four things can get you really far. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about them, um, you know, as you're learning those four triads, also trying to hear the intervals, even if you're not consciously thinking about exactly what they are, but the differences, because all those are made up of major thirds and minor thirds, different combinations. So major triad, of course, is a major third and a minor third. And you might think, well, it's the major third part because it's a major triad, but... When you move that up to like an E minor triad, it's the same as the major, but the minor interval, the minor third is on the bottom, the major third is on the top. That's right. And it starts to give you another way of hearing this kind of inside harmony. That's right. And you know, uh, Riley, you might start with that. You, you Maybe you have this uh, handle on this, but it never hurts to do like a flashcard situation yeah. where you have a friend play some chords and you try to guess major, minor, augmented, diminished. So yeah. Because what you really want to do is not be listening you know, you want to be able to do it without listening for every interval to just know the sound of augmented. Like right. that's an augmented sound. Right. You know, I, right. I don't have to know exactly the intervals. I'm just hearing those two major thirds on top of each other as one thing. You know? Yeah. And I think that if you get a little bit of the in, in, intervalic, I guess it's called, you know, the intervals at the same time as you're getting the chords. I mean, look, when we talk about chords, normally we're, we're and, and being able to identify them and hear the harmony, hear the changes as the question asks, we're talking about a minimum of three notes normally. Yeah. Um, so, but the great thing, it's always made up of intervals. So if we get those two, that's going to help us as we're starting to identify melodic lines. You know, it's always the horizontal, ver the vertical versus the horizontal. Yeah. Um, but also in terms of making combinations of, of you know, for up upper structure chords and, and the more complicated stuff can actually be simpler if you think about them as, so you've got, 
your augmented triad, as you reference. With the seventh, yeah. With the seventh. That's going to be kind of a complex chord, but if you think about augmented triad, two oh. augmented triads, and you can hear that, yeah. it doesn't matter that it's that that's a C7 sharp 11 flat 13. If you can just hear it as those, you know, yeah, th- yeah. That, that's the beginning of it, really. You can learn the theory and stuff later. But to go back to, Riley, uh, something that you talked about, picking out the bass and the melody, yeah. you can also let that be the guide. Like, if your bass note is F... And your melody note is A, natural. Probably a major chord. Right. Right? If your bass note is D, and your melody note is C sharp, we know that that chord has a major 7. Whatever. It could be minor major, but that's easier. Th- right. Those two things are easy to find once you know that I have a D and a C sharp. You yep. know? You know that no matter what it is, I just have to hear the that third in the triad, and then maybe any alterations. Then that's a great point. So you've got D... And C sharp, you know, and, and, you know, if you added one of these different chords every week to be able to hear it in like different keys and identify it in, in a month or so, you'd have all of them. But yeah. you could even do it in a few days if you want to push things along. But those kind of things. And I remember being like not able to hear the difference, but I would just try them and then I would hear if it clashed and then try something else. And this is why it's great no matter what instrument you play, if at least you can get a little bit of piano yeah. or guitar so that you can actually play this harmony you know, and, and, and demonstrate it kind of to yourself and train your own ears. Totally. But if you think about that major, so that's just a major seven, major with a minor seven, and then you start to hear the difference and you play that, yeah. and that's how you, and then diminish. Augmented. Yeah, so that's your, your four basic triads added with that major seventh. Yeah. And look, at first it's going to be like, you're not going to know what they are, but but anyone, even if you think you don't have good ears, can tell if something sounds different. That's right. You know, it's not like I, I mean, if somebody's colorblind, I guess you can't t- tell that what the different colors, but you can see that they're different. You just can't identify them. And so, I think that a lot of times when people say I don't have good ears, it's like you just haven't focused in on those those foundational things. Um, yeah, some people are born with with better ears than others, but it's a lot of work on it too. I know, like my father is like has incredible ears, and like can you know you could play something, and then he could just sort of play back on several different instruments. Yeah. But I also saw him like work on that a lot. So he started with a with a nice talent on that, but then he extended it and made it functional on different instruments, and then practiced it yeah. and became familiar with it in different styles, and then all of a sudden you've got good ears. I love that idea of playing the differences with the one the melody note on top and the bass note, same thing, and doing those. Th- four different triads uh, underneath to hear the difference and be able to recognize that. Another way to work on this, uh, I did this a lot, especially when I was younger, is to listen to music and, um, you know, try to guess what the chord quality is, even if you don't know the key or maybe find the key on the piano at the start and then you have a a reference point. Um, You know who's good uh, to do this with is the Beatles, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's especially for a beginner. Uh, the the harmony doesn't get super complex, yeah. but they definitely use a lot of all four kinds, right? Yeah. They use a lot of major, minor, diminished, and uh, augmented, and they even use a lot of minor sixth and things like yeah, that yeah. for you to hear. It's um, just challenging enough yeah. to really be uh, useful, I agree. For... A little bit beyond your basic pop tune, but not quite on the level of like a you know Phineas Newborn album or something. Right, you right. Know? Yeah, I mean, it, but, but it's good because if, you just, if you're going to get your ear training from Drake, you're probably going to get two chords only, which yeah. is fine, nothing against Drake, but you're not going to get, yeah, if it's a minor, the chances of a minor six. And look, it's important. The minor six, minor, you know, Dorian, I mean, minor seven. 
when you get into the more advanced things, especially the sort of clusters, to be able to identify those basic little chain, you know, differences. Absolutely. Um, and then you can build on it. And look, and don't try to learn, uh, you know, be able to hear all the changes within a week. It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You can't rush it. But be systematic about it and make sure you're hitting. Like, I, I, I realized I did the same thing, and a lot of people have done this. Because the diminish is so hard to understand and to hear, I always kind of pushed that back when I was younger to really learning because I was scared of it. Yeah. And so to this day, I've had, I mean, I'm finally getting to the point where I'm sort of confident over a diminished, but it's important, you know, and it goes along with our whole concept of practicing, of doing the hard stuff first. Now, don't push the hard stuff to the end because you actually need more time with That's the right. hard stuff. That's right. And as a reminder, patience with this is key. Yeah. This is a lifetime pursuit. If you're going to be a musician for the rest of your life, you can work on this for the rest of your life. Not yep. to put it off, yep. but you don't have to get it all in the first week. No. Just no, no, keep no. working at it for the rest of your life. That's right. Okay. So this last topic is about playing what you hear. Now, this is not like playing something back, you know, that you just heard on the radio. This is when you're soloing, when you're improvising, how to play what's actually going on presently in your mind. Um, it sounds kind of like an easy task. It's like, how could you play something that's not in your mind? But it's harder than you think. How to play something that you're truly feeling. Um, how to, you know, really make something come together in that present moment that's organic. Uh, and I think that uh, Peter and Adam do a great job getting into this topic. So here it comes. That's pretty good. Some people are going to be like, whoa, I wouldn't mind playing that. So. Yeah, but I don't care about what I just played. I, there's right. no impact with, to me. But if I wanted to play like... Oh, he's feeling it. He's feeling it. He's feeling it. Look at that. Oh, stargazing. Possible stargazing on his way. All of that <laughs> meant something to me as it was happening because it was just what was happening in the moment. It was yep. the music that I was hearing. So... Even though it was a lot simpler, which you could honest, you could argue, you should argue, is a lot better anyway. It it was not. It was authentic, and that's what you want to go for. So you have to practice that. Right. That's right. We we are what we practice. I mean, it's such a obvious thing, but it's it's just so true. The authenticity that it that's required to play this music effectively can never be underestimated. And you know, when we're by our whoa whoa. Kind of adjusting over here, feeling good though. Yeah, yeah. So when um, when we're practicing alone, which is normally how we're practicing, unless we're in a, a, a lucky GPS situation or whatever, there's um, there's such an opportunity to learn to talk to yourself musically, you know. Because I always think of like performing music, and and, and really I would say. I think this extends into any kind of artistic endeavor. I don't really know, but I'm thinking like dance or theater or whatever. It's such a unique combination of introspective talking to yourself and sharing directly with an audience the energy of your art with them and getting back something. It's a very lonely thing in a way because it's just like you have to get so much into what you're doing and getting in touch with this authenticity that you can't be um, you can't be distracted by the audience or, or pandering to them if you're thinking about them too much. But on the other hand, you can't just you have you need the audience and that energy and what the energy that that brings should affect and inform your art on any particular night. So, you know, when you're practicing, it's really just one part of what you're doing. But I think it's so important to get in touch with that inner you that you're going to share 
with the world, you know, um, and be authentic and be ready for that and make that a part of your practice routine. For sure. And uh, some things that we like to do some things, specific things you could do to practice this, Paul, is we do this on the guided practice session all the time, actually, is you can practice taking uh, a couple of courses, right, over a tune that you know really, really well. We'll just do a blues and okay. F here because that's a tune that I know very, very well. That's right. So we can do a couple of courses, and I'll just I'll play a chorus n- just running my fingers, right? Can you give me a little bass line, Pete? Yes, I can. One, two, one, two, three, four. Okay, so I was literally trying to not play what I was hearing. Right. Trying to just run my fingers over stuff that I know will work, but it's not really in my head at the moment. Yeah. And I'm going to try to, like, sing my way through this one. Let's do it again. One, okay. two, one, two, three, four. Now, I have a more limited vocal range, obviously, but none of what I just sang was any part of what I had just played. So that's a, there's a gap there, right, yeah. in what I'm hearing in my head and what I'm playing. Now, what you can do is you do three choruses. So you do your first where you're trying not to hear and you're just running your fingers. Now we'll combine the two. One, okay. two, one, two, three, four. That, that, in my opinion, was the best of the three choruses that I took, right? Because it was really just combining this, this what I understand at the piano, but maybe can't sing totally, and combining what's actually going on in my heart to my Aww. hands. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. definitely a, an emotional thing yeah. out to the fingers. I think that combination, that's like a, you know, we talk about hearing what you play and telling your story and all that stuff, but like this is a very practical way to actually practice it. Yeah. That's good. I've got nothing to add. Excellent. Yep. Incredible. Okay, so this is You'll Hear It, the Run It Back series. Thanks again for checking us out. And remember, I keep links to each one of these clips to the full episode in the description. So that's one of the cool things about this series is if you like what you heard, you can go back to the episode and get the whole thing. You can delve a little deeper into the topic that we talked about today. Um, now remember, if you like this podcast, you gotta like and you gotta subscribe. That keeps us going, keeps things moving, greases the wheels. And remember, you can also check out OpenStudioJazz.com so you can find a better relationship between you and your instrument. Um, until next time, happy practicing.